Welcome to season four of the Religion Podcast, where a rabbi and a reverend walk into a podcast and talk real about religion. Sometimes you feel like a nut. <laughs> Sometimes you oh. don't. <laughs> I... Joel, now you're going to have to edit that out because it didn't work. <laughs> you didn't catch it. I caught it. Yeah, he's saying that because I was eating an Almond Joy. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, it's going it's to be downhill from here. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm vertical. How are you? You're not, though. See, every time you say that, you violate truth. Oh, I'm not horizontal. In your chair. I'm not lying down on the floor or on some psychiatric sofa. Your back is vertical. Okay. That is is fair. Yeah. You are perpendicular to the ground, Mr. Engineer. Yeah, there you go. Oh, bye. (laughs) What are you doing today? Let's do it. On this odd today. What am I doing today? Uh, so I am currently just finishing a going through our constitution, the constitution that governs the congregation, um, because the last time it was amended was ten years ago. Whoa! And so we put we put together a group to look at it and kind of systematically going through it section by section, line by line. Some things are very simple, like spelling mistakes, and other things are are controversial, such as um, things about who we are and who we want to be and governance. And but it's it's good stuff, but uh, it's it's definitely a process. So I was going through my own note taking of edits for for discussion for our next meeting. Oh my! If you're Doing constitutional review, there must be something going on where the details are important. Well, there really isn't, other than it's been 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the synagogue, just like any place, has changed to a certain degree from a demographic stand. I mean, from it's just changed. And so, so looking at things and just w- with the question of, is this still who we are and who we want to be? If yes, great. And if not, okay, well, what should we change it to? Or completely excise it or, you know, so uh, all sorts of stuff. So a quick little update on this podcast for you and for others out there. We are into our 60s in episode numbers, and we are approaching 5,000 downloads. So March of, you know, last month, we were up 50% in downloads and things. So that was from the previous month and the month before that. So we are, something is happening. People are forwarding and listening and talking about it. Um it's amazing, and we're really grateful for y'all out there. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, that's wonderful. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for giving Joel and I the opportunity to to keep talking to each other. Although the truth is, I would still do it if it was three people. Three is my minimum, though. There is a minimum, but <laughs> yeah, that's very Jesusy. Wherever two or three are gathered, he's got a saying about that. Well, it's <laughs> it's very it's very Jew it's very Jewishy. Also, good. Well, he uh, was the, a Jew, as we the Talmud said. says when. When three people study the Torah together, the Shekhinah, the divine presence, 
dwells amongst us. I love it. And oddly enough, so most of our listeners are in Georgia and Maryland in the United States. If you had to guess, what states are the next on our most listeners states? After the states where we both live. Yep. Georgia and Maryland are number one and two, obviously. Confusion. (laughs) Exactly. I am confused by this. It's California and North Carolina. Right. Uh, Do you have a bunch of friends in California or something that... That listen, not not that I know of explicitly, (laughs) no, but... uh, All right, so for all of you listening, for those not in Georgia or Maryland, please write in. Tell us who you are. So what's our topic uh, what today, dude? About? Oh, I was asking you that. I think we're talking about we're talking about religion, aren't we? <laughs> Real? No, we're talking. Yeah. We're. I think we're talking today about. <laughs> you can hear the lilt in my voice. Like, are we talking about this today? I think we're going to talk about the how it certainly in the two of our religions. God is looked at as a source of both fear and awe. And what that kind of means and what we think about that and kind of, you know, thoughts that that stem from that. Yeah, especially in the Christian religion, there are people who give up on religion entirely because God is somebody that's supposed to be feared. Uh, and that doesn't feel right to a lot of people just inherently. So if church or religion is the place that teaches you to be afraid, well, forget that. I'm out. Um, but it is a word that we translate uh, from both the Semitic languages and the Greeks on how to what, – what an interaction with God or the holy does to us. It creates fear slash awe slash fill in the blank after that. We'll try to figure out the other synonyms for it and discuss why it is still a semi-appropriate or appropriate or not appropriate way of reacting to the presence of God. So what do you think, dude? What are what well, word is behind fear and awe for so you? Can I can I throw some Hebrew out? Ooh, sweetness. There we go. So uh, I'll, I'll read a verse and then translate it. Yerat Adonai reshit da'at umasar evilim bazu. Uh, fear of the Lord, or you know, a better translation, fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, and that is from Proverbs. So you know, it's not kind of a book outside of our context. I book both in the Jewish Bible and uh, the Christian Bible, right? Um, fear of God of Adonai is the beginning of knowledge. Now. Fear is the English translation, of course. The Hebrew word yirah, it really is more akin to an awe, like a grandness. And so um, like the awe expressed by the Israelites when God split the Red Sea. So there's certainly the, the capability of a fear being there because I think we have awe for things that are powerful and perhaps things that maybe limit their power. They could um, inflict danger or harm if they wanted to, but but aren't, I think, is one way of thinking of that kind of powerful awe. 
But the idea, certainly in Judaism, that that is the beginning of knowledge. And and the the Talmud in Judaism has an expression, Yirat Adonai. It's the first two words of this verse. It's like, do you have fear of God? Do you have awe of God? And 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 sometimes that's used as a shorthand as, you know, do you believe in God? Which of course are not quite the same thing, you know, certainly from a modern kind of semantic point of view, the way we talk colloquially. But but in if we were kind of talking in Jewish, if that makes sense, in the <laughs> Jewish language. Um, you know, fear of God, Yerat Adonai, is akin to kind of a, a more traditional belief system. Uh, yeah, I, I'm Maybe. still struggling with how does fear why, – why do we in English choose fear as the word so often when really it is more of an awe or a – amazement or wonder or breathtaking well i think that's a great question but i do think there is a fear and i think even in forget even you know my own personal theology or kind of like you know philosophizing in the torah i think there is a certain fear you know when just a few weeks ago we read um one of the more troubling passages of the torah you of course know it when uh Aaron's sons offer strange fire as a sacrifice and God strikes them dead. And everyone who kind of witnesses that is literally in fear. And so, you know, now I'm not saying that's the God I want to exist or the God that I pray to, but certainly that is the God of the Torah Mm -hmm. to a degree. Right. And when I say to a degree, just as a, as I make kind of apologetics, it's, you know, God is not one thing, just like humans are not one thing, or rather I might put that the opposite. But so God is not only something to be feared, but God certainly is something to be feared at the same time. Yeah, and, and I guess it's a fair translation in the garden when there's this point where Adam and Eve are kind of afraid or ashamed, and so they hide from God uh, in in the desert uh, when they're in ex- uh, on the Exodus. There is a fear of the presence of God. They don't want to go anywhere near the mountain. They don't want to look God's direction. They they send Moses. Right, you can't, man cannot see my face and live. I mean, there's all kind of stuff there. Tell me from a Christian perspective and or yours, which are probably different. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that word fear is used in the Greek New Testament regularly, uh, even in the Gospels. Uh, like in the Gospel of Matthew, there's a place where um, Jesus says something like, "Don't do not fear those who can kill the body; rather, fear the one who can destroy the soul or the spirit." And that word fear is uh, in Greek is phobos, right? so phobia, the the root word of our what we really mean is fear. So the those that word was on Jesus's lips when talking about one way to help the humans around him recognize uh, an an appropriate attitude toward the power or the impact of God. Uh, And I get that we humans are sometimes afraid of things that are more powerful than us. We're afraid of things that are strange or mysterious to us beyond our comprehension. 
Uh, we are afraid of things that seem to go against our logic or our experience that shock us or surprise us. There is a gasp of fear whenever that happens in us. So God is all of that for sure. <laughs> the the great unexpected, the mysterious, the uh, that that is God. And God's persona does that. So fear seems okay, but I still struggle with putting fear as an appropriate or even relevant feeling. It, it feels like an immature response to God. And I, I would hope I could get through the fear to something else, but I'm not sure well, what the other else is. No, I think that's a great, I, I think that articulation is is really good, kind of getting through the fear to get to something else. I mean, I, you know, often in the Torah, God is talked about like a parent and that metaphor works for me of in a way, in the same way that a toddler, as I'm dealing with a my toddler who will not go to bed anymore, mm. um, both loves me, hopefully, and is, I mean, not afraid of me like I scare him, God forbid, but certainly is, you know, he if mommy or daddy raise their voice, he knows he's in trouble. Or if we ask him to do something and he doesn't, and like that kind of fear that a parent instills, I think leads to better behavior or good decisions, right? Like that's part of how we learn morality and what's allowed and what's not allowed. And, um, but yeah, it can't be only fear. And that's why they, they're in a little bit of tension with one another. Yeah, I can see the parental fear of a younger person. because uh, And the fear is in there because, all right, if I do something against the one I fear, they have the power to punish me, correct me, scold me. Um, restrict me in some way, and that I may it. So even if that's true, is is the child afraid of the parent or of the consequences? I mm. I don't know how to personalize the fear. It, it is that an appropriate place to put it on the person of the parent, or is the fear the repercussions and consequences that the parent has the power to enforce on me? Which I mean, what am I afraid yeah, of? Yeah, I mean. I, but I do think there's something specific to knowing to kind of someone that you love and respect having a feeling toward you versus, you know, a stranger or an acquaintance or something like that, right? Yes. And so in that way, it's not, it can't be just the consequences. It's like the relationship a little bit. Okay. So in that case, it, it, it you can't separate the fear of the person, the authority, with the power from the consequences that that person can put on you. It's why uh, we're afraid of when we see the blue lights in our rearview mirror, we instantly have uh, that, that <laughs> flinch of fear that, um, oh, no, was I speeding? Double check, double check. Because we know that person, the cop, is both a person of power and might be coming to enforce some consequences on us. Yeah, I think that that's a good analogy. There's some other weird stuff in the New Testament, though, where fear is the word used. It's still the phobos, the phob, phobu or phobastha. Uh, you can hear all the phobias in there. Um, on the morning of Easter, where the tomb is empty and the disciples aren't sure what happened, they just know that the stones rolled away and his body's not there. 
um, it, in one of the gospels, it says they were feared, they were filled with fear and joy. Um, mm. and, and they ran. So, and they ran to tell others. Now, so what, what kind of fear is that? Like, you're not afraid of an empty tomb. Maybe you're afraid that somebody stole his body. Maybe you're afraid that grave robbers came. Maybe you're afraid that you'll never figure out where to go visit his grave again. But it's not a bodily fear, like a fear for self-harm anymore. It, it, it's different. And that so, that word is still used. As you're talking, do you know what I'm thinking about? Not a clue. If you... I, I'd give you a. I'd be very impressed because it it almost doesn't make sense in my mind, but I, I'm going to try to make it make sense. The last scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, when uh, spoilers ahead, people. It's a 30 year old <laughs> movie. I'm not, you know, sorry, not sorry, but when Indy and Marion are um, captives and they're opening the ark. And Indy says, shut your eyes, shut your eyes. And everybody whose eyes are opened kind of has these horrible deaths. And Indy and Marianne are spared. Like, that's the awe of God. The, again, I am not saying that that's what God is. I want to be very clear. But, but that, you know, God isn't completely accessible to us. God isn't something we can just kind of walk in and out of casually like that's the like it's heavy it 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 has a weight to it and that's why you know my, i may have said this on the podcast I, I use this line all the time one of my favorite professors would talk about like really intense deep jewish theology and then he would he would say and this is why i say uh, i'll give you malocks on the side because it's like this stuff is hard mm-hmm. and it can and it can hurt and it can cause you kind of you know, despondence. And, um, you know, there's this famous, famous story in the Talmud where these four rabbis kind of walk into this garden where they encounter God's presence. And I'm, I'm not going to get into a, you know, 45 minute adult study on this, but, but one of the rabbis kind of wasn't fully prepared and it completely changed him for the rest of his life. He basically went insane, mm-hmm. according to the Talmud story. I mean, we don't know how historically accurate that is, uh-huh. but, but the idea that, like, that God is something to be feared, you know, and, and in the way I would express it is it's not so much that the ontological being of God is meant to be feared. But I do think that theology and the God concept are really serious and we have to take them seriously. Now, is that the same as fear? Maybe not. But that's kind of in my mind, kind of some of what I do. And again, in Judaism, that concept, Yira Adonai, is so ingrained. I mean, um, you know, we're told over and over again in the Torah of different characters who had Yira Adonai, you know, awe or fear of God. And as such, that was the beginning of their righteousness. Um, and like Haman, the villain of the Purim story, like, he, yes, he wanted to kill all the Jews, awful thing. But his fundamental crime was not having Yira Adonai. Mm. And so it's just part, like, that's just in, like, the Jewish lexicon. (laughs) 
I, I it's, so this has me wondering. You know, we're doing the immaturity part. We're doing this fear slash awe of the Lord. I I wonder if fear is like the training wheels <laughs> of this concept, and a person who truly reveres God and is is in awe of God hangs out near God without fear, but radical deference, awe, reverence, and doesn't have to be afraid in that space, but a person who doesn't have reverence or awe of who God is and doesn't respect the mystery and power and just um, walks up, the the first impression is going to be fear because it's a you didn't approach God with that careful, you know, go slow, be open, um, kind of attitude, and and maybe so. Fear is the quickie concept that we have to throw at each other until we can really train each other to be reverent and and awful. <laughs> a W E dash F U L L. Have you? Tell the truth, Joel. Have you used that before? No, I just yeah, there it is. It just made up, right? So I like that. Learn to be awful. I love that. <laughs> um, that's like one of the things I say sometimes is we are a for-profit people, but P R O P H E T. Yes. Oh, that's good. Um, feel free to use it. Thanks. Uh, so you were you were channeling like hardcore Jewish philosophy right there. So Maimonides. Uh, with the training wheels thing. So um, Jewish listeners will recognize some of this, but we have a prayer called the Via Hafta, which comes immediately after the Shema. And you, when we were talking about the mezuzah last week, see, I, I do listen when you talk, Joel. Uh, we were talking <laughs> about the, the different texts that are in the cloth in the parchment of the mezuzah. So some of the Via Hafta is in there. And it begins with the famous line, you shall love Adonai, your God, with all your body, soul, and, and heart. Um and um, I just lost the train of thought. It's coming right back. Ah, yes. So the first paragraph is this kind of like grand philosophy of, you know, love God with everything in your being. And then the second paragraph traditionally is very much a kind of fire and brimstone reward and punishment. If you do this, you know, God will bless you with rain and you'll have many children and and, and then you know, the corollary, if you don't do that, you will be stricken with drought and you won't have children. You know, uh, children and uh, agriculture are always linked in the Torah. I, I don't think it, you know, requires theologians to explain why. Um, but Maimonides comes along to talk about that and says basically – Normal people, and I would put me in this category. I don't mean, you know, like normal people. <laughs> by the way, the only time I will ever classify myself as normal. Normal people <laughs> need the reward and punishment. We need it because otherwise we may not do what we're supposed to do. Hmm. So even if it's not the case that God rewards or punishes us based on you know, an arbitrary number of laws that we either do or don't do. If we act as though God does act that way, we will do the right thing. And so Maimonides basically 
talks about that prayer in in the language you just said. Maimonides doesn't use the words training wheels, but essentially it's kind of like a theological training wheels. That that belief of reward and punishment, of fear and love, kind of buttresses our actions. And so we need it as, as limited human beings. And very few of us can graduate beyond that. And so that's why that paragraph is there. Mm. I, that helps. Uh, so I, I, I make try, this isn't a philosopher, a Christian philosopher. It's just a letter writer. Um, and it's a weird letter. It's a late, late, late letter. So, you know, if Jesus died in the 30s and Paul lived in the 50s, we have some of his letters from there. And then the Gospels were 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s. And then we have these other weird letters that come way late, like 110, 120. Um, and it's, in other words, they've had to mature in their understanding of who Jesus was, what he said, what he meant by that. They've also seen like the temple get destroyed again and the walls get crashed again and the Romans knock everything down and kill a bunch of their fellow Christians. And so they've had to mature in their faith. And there's this line in a letter of First John where he says, there is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out, ends, rejects all fear. Fear, and it even goes on to say, fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not yet reached perfection in love. But, it, but we love because we trust God first loved us. And if we're still afraid, we don't truly trust that God loves us. So there has to be something about, if we're going to continue using fear of God, um, then we're going to keep teaching people an imperfect God love. But if we can use fear as the training wheels to enter some kind of reverent relationship with God, then the goal is a more perfect relationship with God that eliminates the fear, that casts out the fear and isn't afraid anymore. Um and you don't fear the punishment. You don't even fear death because it's all in God's hands and we trust and we believe and God loves us and we we trust that. So I don't know if that's – it feels like my goal now in some ways is to I, – I don't want to take away the fear of God if somebody isn't yet ready to be reverent, but I don't want them to linger in the fear of God instead of moving towards reverence. Yes. And I would also say, you know, just like no, no one thing is true of God at the same time, we shouldn't only have kind of one perspective on God. And so if one's relationship to God is only through that characteristic, that in my mind is not a very mature theology. Mm. In the same way that, you know, each of us relate to our spouses in a multitude of ways, or friendships for that matter. You know, anyone we know that we spend time with, there's not just one aspect of them we, re we relate to, right? So why, sh <laughs> why shouldn't that be the case of, for God? So what is the point of fear slash awe reverence of God? Is it just to be an internal feeling and a change of our heart and mind, or is there a well, bigger I purpose? I mean, I th 
I'll answer very briefly. Um, I, I think some of it is to motivate us. Like, you know, we need that. It's kind of a kick in the pants, right? So like, you know, Yom Kippur, which is a holiday all about, and again, I'll, I'll just use the English word fear to a certain degree. It motivates us to do something that we don't normally do the under 364 days of the year, namely really and truly look at our faults and try to correct them both inside of ourselves and outside in, in our lives. Um, but the second answer, I, I, I'll quote uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel to give us a sense of radical amazement. So it's not like the awe in terms of appreciating the power, the majesty, the love of God. I think that leads to an appreciation, a kind of miraculous mindset. And that is certainly a, a value. I mean, it's a, that's a Jewish value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's making me hate the word fear even more <laughs> the more we talk about it. Well, it's a weird word. It's a weird word. It's like it's like, oh, I saw this movie, it was so scary. You know, like that means something different than how it's used religiously, even the English word. Yeah. It, it in other words, I felt something. You know, I I felt a big something and it felt good to feel big things. Um it, when I think of scary movies, that's its point really, not to necessarily scare me, but to help me feel as big as I can feel. That's right. And, and and same thing with like, you know, I love roller coasters. I'm not not scared on them. I am scared on them. And that's part of what I love about them. Right. Jill doesn't Although like if, riding If they go upside coasters. down too many times, hard pass, <laughs> no upside downies too many times. Not because I'm scared, but because my body is old. That's right. <laughs> I am now a Dramamine pre-roller coasters. I, I never oh was, but goodness. I have to now. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't like riding roller coasters with me because she's fine getting on them and she just enjoys them. And then I start pointing out the thin little cotter pin that is holding that shaft that holds this cart to the wheel that holds us <laughs> oh, to the right. – Right, and that one little pin, if it was and to break. And then she's fearful. Then she's afraid, <laughs> yeah. There's something about fear, like I, what whatever its purpose is, fear makes me, you know, stop or run away, and and I don't want to do, I don't want to run from God. Like I want to be closer to God. I I don't want to turn my back on God. I want to watch God and see what God is doing and listen to what God is saying. I want to, I want to like, yeah, that's great. I want to find myself attracted to the presence of God and the actions of God. And fear does the opposite of that. Awe, right, attracts me and makes me linger and watch and wonder and be curious and ask questions and study. And so awe works. I hate the word fear with God. It just doesn't seem to work. And and there is something about whatever this concept is, fear, awe, reverence, something. It, I think its purpose, there is an internal purpose, as you were pointing to, that gives us hope that the impossible is possible, that the un- unlikely still might happen, that the miraculous could come, that peace and justice could infect our whole creation, and we would end racism and poverty and hunger, and the beautiful is possible. If, if we don't have some sense of awe about the possibility of all of that, we'll just stop. We don't necessarily run away in fear, but we'll just quit and stop trying, stop working, stop caring. The awe makes it impossible not to care. 
uh, it, it, it brings out a passionate response inside us. But I think there has to be something where the passion inside us becomes action in the world and fear slash awe of God that doesn't become embodied to our neighbors. It's wasted. Totally. You know, it's funny. I just thought of another example that is a Christian example. Um, and it's, it's the movie, not the book, but the, um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Hmm. Now, I haven't read it in years, but one of my favorite movies of all time, hardly anybody has seen this, is The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's an animated movie that was aired on TV. I don't think it was ever in movie theaters. I have a DVD of it. It's so good. And when Aslan is introduced to the kids by Mr. Beaver, I, I know the movie really well. <laughs> you know, he's something like, well, should we be afraid? And Mr. Beaver's like, of course you should be afraid. He's the king of kings. But he's good. And he's powerful. And he's going to separate wrong from right. And you should be afraid. Mm-hmm. Both of those can be true at the same time. Yes, nice. Um, God, that movie is so good. If I, it, <laughs> the Lion off, of Judah. Off tangent, on tangent, rather, on a tangent. Um, it wasn't until I had seen that movie probably 30 times that someone told me who C.S. Lewis was and that this was an <laughs> allegory for Jesus. And I was like, really? Well, it doesn't have to be just for Jesus. It does have to be no, for God's sac- self-sacrificial nature. And if you embody yes. that through a Jesus, okay. But even if you don't, God's willingness to sacrifice God's own self for the sake of God's people is true, whether or not Jesus is in your version of the story of that. But I didn't real I didn't even realize that. I just thought it was kind of a really good adventure slash coming of age morality. No, tale. it's a mid century apologetic. Oh, the music in that, and seriously, listener, you have to find this movie. The, the music is unbelievable. Nice. Like, it's so beautiful. In that same letter I quoted early where he says, uh, you know, perfect love has no fear. At the end of that chapter and area, he says something like, you know, you can't say you love God and then hate a brother or sister. Uh, anybody who who attempts to truly have fear slash reverence slash awe slash love of God must be in awe of and love their brothers and sisters. So it, it almost suggests that we should be walking around our world today in awe of each other and the the great diversity of creation and humanity and and that should just shock us and amaze us and inspire us um, as opposed to what most uh, fired Fox News hosts teach us to do, be afraid of each other constantly. <laughs> you almost made it the whole episode. I was wondering if you were going to mention that. Yeah. It had to get in there. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Well, he wasn't fired for making people afraid. In fact, he was paid very nicely for making people afraid for many years. Yes. Yeah. That's the irony, isn't it? Yeah. He was fired because he didn't have enough fear of his boss. (laughs) That's the – as I'm watching Succession. Do you know that show? Yes. I haven't watched it. 
You probably would. I don't think you'd like it. No, it I would hate weird. it. It would break my heart. I have enough of that in real life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, always good talking with you about uh, these important topics. You too, Rabs. I'm I'm in awe of you. Uh, and I'm fearful. No. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Um, and to our listeners, keep it real. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Real Religion Podcast today, where a rabbi and a reverend walk into a podcast and talk real about religion. I'm Reverend Joel Talbert, and on behalf of Rabbi Eric Linder and all the Real Religion fans out there, we thank you for being with us today and invite you to send us any feedback or suggestions or topic ideas to Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep it real.